Throughout the United States, we often hear people argue that banning abortion is just not possible because of cases like Roe versus Wade. Well, that didn't stop our guest today, who took the fight against abortion to the municipal level with his idea to create sanctuary cities for the unborn. Today, our guest is none other than the founder of the Sanctuary Cities for the Unborn initiative, and we are going to learn all about this initiative. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Pro-Life Guys podcast. Thank you again so much for tuning in. My name is Peter. I'm the host of the show. And with me again is my wonderful co-host, Cam. How are you, sir? I am doing very well, Peter. I went five or six last night, my doubleheader. And so I am living the dream. Baseball season is in full swing. The interns are doing phenomenal. We got crash course coming up in two weeks. Uh, It's just a flurry of good stuff happening here in Calgary. How are you, sir? I'm doing really well. The crash course is coming up in two weeks at time of recording. We don't actually know when this episode is going to be released just yet. Um, But this crash course is something we're really looking forward to because Cam and I are going to be tag teaming. We're going to speak a number of presentations together and and really building off of each other. Now, if you were not able to make the crash course, you can still have us speak either myself or Cam or the two of us together. We would love Mm -hmm. to join your community group, your church, your school, wherever it might be to present on the pro-life message, to talk about pro-life apologetics, to talk about strategies we can utilize to fight abortion here in Canada, in the United States, and elsewhere as well. So if you want to reach out to us, if you want us to to have us uh, at your school, at your church, at your community group, wherever it might be, do reach out to us, prolifeguys.com. There's a contact page over there. Cam, um, yeah, before we before we go any further, I guess um, there might be some new listeners here. Thank you for taking the time and downloading and listening to this episode. If you're wondering who we are, we are two guys who are passionate about ending the killing of preborn children in Canada. And this podcast is dedicated to giving you the tools that you need to do the very same thing, to change minds, to save lives and transform our culture, to see people actually change their mind on abortion. So check out some of our other episodes. A lot of them are apologetic focused. Uh, Some of them are about information and news from the abortion war. Check them out. Let us know what you think. And don't forget to give us a five-star review on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. That would help us out tremendously. Cam, I want to introduce the guest, but uh, you have some Patreon information that you would like to share before that. So hit us up, sir. What's new for us? What can we learn? Oh, we got a ton of stuff coming down the tube here. I know that we've been talking about this for several months now, Peter. We're really excited to finally have our store almost ready. We are so close. We have several of our products already in store here in Calgary. Uh, We're getting more shipped by the end of next week. We'll have t-shirts, we'll have scotch glasses, we'll have tumblers and water bottles and all sorts of things with your favorite Pro-Life Guys podcast. Um, insignia all over it uh we're super fired up we're gonna be sporting a bunch of it during our recordings in the coming weeks and whatnot um i'll have it first because all of our printing is coming from calgary and so you get to see it on me sporting it before peter gets any of it um but we are super excited about that and you can not only purchase that very soon here on our website prolifeguys.com but also if you're a patreon supporter of the pro-life guys podcast you're going to get special promo codes for getting massive discounts off of this content 
not only that, but you get a bunch of bonus content as well. Peter, you and I have been doing recordings for story time with the guys where we talk about some funny um, and sometimes very intense stories that you and I have witnessed during our our time as pro-life activists. Not only that, but you get to uh, get to hear some of the cool bonus content from our guests like the one that we have on today you can get a couple of bonus answers um, from them about their funny experiences that they've um, encountered and whatnot and so you do get some pretty cool content by being a patreon supporter as well as the fact of knowing that you are fueling the pro-life movement the global pro-life movement we are equipping people day after day with the tools that they need to have compelling and compassionate conversations our organization ccbr is on street corners and on doorsteps basically every day of the week, um, changing minds, saving lives, transforming our culture. And so if you want to put your money behind a cause that is doing exactly what you want to see done, transforming this culture into one in which abortion is unthinkable, become a Patreon supporter and you'll get some pretty cool swag going along with it. So check that out, patreon.com slash prolifeguys. Uh, we'll be updated shortly as will the store be added to our website at prolifeguys.com. Beauty, thank you, sir. Our guest today is Pastor Mark Lee Dixon. He's the director of Right to Life of East Texas. He's a pastor at Sovereign Love Church in Longview, Texas. And as I mentioned off the top of the episode, he is the founder of the Sanctuary Cities for the Unborn. He's a pastor. He uh, is the director of the Right to Life organization in his area, and he is fighting uh, on the municipal level to create these sanctuary cities for the unborn, not just in the, in the city that he's in, but there are over 30 of them now uh, across the United States. And so we're excited for a conversation with Pastor Mark Lee Dixon. Here it is. Mark, thank you so much for taking the time and joining us in the podcast today. Great to be here. Yeah, we're excited. We've been watching what's been happening south of our border with some some great fascination in terms of the uh, sanctuary cities for the unborn. Um, we heard about it first uh, several months ago, and then we've been seeing how at first there's 10, then there's 20, then there's 30. We're going to different uh, different states. And so we'd love to talk, as, as we uh, talked about in our communications, about these sanctuary cities, uh, just to learn a little bit more about them, a little bit more about you and, and what this initiative is all about. So could you start things off with sharing a little bit, perhaps, about how you came up with this idea for the Sanctuary Cities for the Unborn, and what is it? Like, what are we talking about when we're talking about them? Absolutely. So how this all started was actually to our neighboring state, uh, over right next to Texas, Louisiana. Uh, that's from where I live in, in Texas, live in, in Longview, Texas, and uh about an hour away is the closest surgical and metal, uh, medical abortion facility, and that's Hope Medical Group for Women. It's very uh, well known for being uh, the abortion facility at the center of the June Medical vs. Russo case before the, the, the Supreme Court. Well, at that abortion facility, I would go on the sidewalk and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I would encourage women to, to not end the life of their child. And the message was very simple. It was to trust in the Lord with all their heart, lean not on their own understanding, which brought them there, but to acknowledge the Lord and that he was going to direct their steps away from that place. And so we'd offer a place to live, food, clothing, help with bills, anything that we could do to, to help women in a crisis pregnancy. And in that process, we saw a number of lives saved, of course, and 
got to to name a baby over a cheeseburger at a Mexican restaurant and got to <laughs> really spend a, a lot of time at just loving uh, people who are needing that that help and assistance and uh, and meeting those those needs. I really believe that that real ministry is finding a specific need and then designing a plan to meet that need. And so that's what we're doing. We're uh, addressing those 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 concerns uh, that those women had. Uh, if if they could not fit that child into their their life because their car was too small or because uh, they their finances didn't didn't have it or they didn't have a home they were living on the street then we were doing anything and everything we could to meet those needs and in that process there was a uh, mother that we were reaching out to and and she said well uh, someone there at the abortion facility for an abortion and she was not sure what she, what she was going to do. The people on the inside of that facility said that they may be closing down. And when that was told to me, it reminded me that in the early nineties that this, that this, uh, uh, with this abortion facility, abortion restrictions were tightening and there was talk about crossing the border from Shreveport, Louisiana to Wascom, Texas. Someone down the Houston area had pledged land in a building uh, for that abortion facility. And I got to thinking, well, that's what their game plan was, was in their blueprint. If abortion was ever shut down in Louisiana, uh, Wascom is very vulnerable. I uh, started looking into things and realized that uh, it looked like those plans may be in process. And so I reached out to the mayor of Wascom, explained to him my concerns, and he said, what can we do? And I said, you need to pass an ordinance outlawing abortion within the city limits. I didn't realize that hadn't been done before, but he had said to expedite on that ordinance. We got him an ordinance and Wascom became the first city in the nation to pass an ordinance outlawing abortion. And that was June 11th of 2019. So what that does oh. is that ordinance says that abortion is prohibited within the city limits of Wascom, Texas. And so when that was passed, the ACLU said it perfect when they said that this ordinance makes it impossible for an abortion clinic to set up shop in Wascom, Texas. And praise God for that. And and so that's 2019. And since then, we are, what, 30, 30 sanctuary cities since then. Did you, did you imagine that this movement would grow beyond Wascom? Was this kind of a, you know, this is in my own backyard. I got to, got to make sure the babies are safe near me. Um, at what point did you realize like, Hey, we, we can go to other cities. We can get other towns in, in the County, in the state, maybe even across the country, getting on board with this and setting up sanctuary cities for the unborn um, where similar ordinances, I, as we'll get into, and, and I know that they're not all the same. Um, but once you got the, the first one done, was there a moment of peace of like, you know what, we, we did our job, we're not going to have any abortions performed here? Or did you immediately kind of lock in on, okay, well, how do we get more more towns and more cities to, to um, get on board with this? Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. So 
I'm one of those people that I look at what's right in front of me and I focus on that and I try not to get too far ahead of myself. But the straw that broke the camel's back on this issue was Amos 5.15, which Mm. is a text that says to hate evil, to love good, and to establish justice within the city gate. And perhaps the Lord, the God of hosts, be gracious on the remnant of Joseph. And so this passage was really heavy on my heart. And I knew that um, the passage didn't say what a lot of people were pushing uh, in our day and age. This whole idea that if you want to get something done, you you get it done at the state capital, the nation's capital. Mm. That's not what the verse says. It doesn't say hate evil, love good, and establish justice in Austin, Texas, and Washington, D.C. <laughs> it says within your city gate. And so uh, knowing that and it was in the midst of this process where I'm thinking, uh, and it may have been actually when I was at the, the council meeting for Wascom, just knowing that this is not going to end here, that this is going to go beyond. And I remember when, after the vote, of course, there's a lot of uh, news that a lot of uh, news media there and, and they asked like, what's next. And <laughs> it was just natural that of course, every city should do this. And of course, within a week, uh, Franklin Graham had uh, made a, a Facebook post encouraging other cities to follow Wascom. And uh, so now where we stand is we're, we were at uh, 34 cities uh, in the nation. 31 of those are here in Texas and then two in Nebraska and one in Ohio. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's great. One of the, I mean, you mentioned Amos five fifteen. I always think about uh, Amos five. I believe it's twenty four, twenty five, a, a little bit later, um, where the command is to let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an everlasting stream. Um, you know, take away from me the noise of your songs if justice is not going to be done. And so this is huge. Um, and I thank you so much for it. I, I guess that answers part of my question is, um, you know, how did you get the message out? Franklin Graham helps you. He has a large following. Did, w- was there some sort of, uh, I mean. Was it the sense that uh, cities and, and counselors and mayors heard about this and they're like, I'm on board? Did you have to approach them and do some apologetics? Were they jumping on on the phone calling you saying, bring this to my city? How were you able to sell this to some of these other cities um, and, and get so many other cities on board? I think you have one in Ohio. You have some in um, or one in Nebraska, is it perhaps? Uh, and then the rest in Texas. Um, how were you able to sell them to all these cities? Well, ultimately, this is something that even though we had Franklin Graham's uh, statement there and, and we had half a billion hits worldwide uh, on mm. on, you know, throughout the, the news outlets uh, talking about Wascom, Texas out long course. And but I mean, we didn't get other cities addressing this right away because this was such a new thing. People were saying, well, what's going to happen is. Are they going to get sued? Um, you know, what, what's, what's, is this really going to work? And, and so it took some time, but the grassroots really, that's what led this. People in their community said, uh, in fact, the same week that Wascom outlawed abortion, someone wrote an article in Lubbock Lights saying, well, Lubbock should outlaw abortion too. And, <laughs> and I remember seeing that and I was thinking, yeah, Lubbock is, really big and 
I'm not touching Lubbock. Um, <laughs> you know, let's let's start with you know Wascombe's 2,189. Let's not jump to a city mm-hmm. of 270,000. You know, let's let's kind of work <laughs> our way up. Uh, of course, over time we saw uh, the second and third city went forth, and then the uh, it just kept on going. And when we got to Big Spring, uh, that was a pretty big deal. We thought you know 30,000 people. That's um, which was a good jump from the the largest before Big Spring was Rusk, which was 5,618. And so um, that was a big deal to go from 5,000 to 30,000. And, and I was just thinking, well, you know, let's work our way up. You know, let's not go after <laughs> some kind of, uh, let's not go after the largest city in Texas and the 83rd largest city in the United States. Uh, let, let's not do that. But God had other plans. And so, of course, we did see Lubbock, Texas, uh, pass an ordinance outlawing abortion. And and so, extremely encouraging. And uh, now um, we are, of course, you know, we're going everywhere. We're going to uh, Florida. We're going to Michigan. We're going to <laughs> Missouri. And, you know, this is something that's going to continue to spread throughout the United States and as we saw that every challenge that's been brought against these ordinances, they have felt and abortion mm-hmm. remains banned in these cities. And so we're excited about that. And, you know, this really is something that Amos five fifteen. God gets all the glory in this because I couldn't do this without Amos five fifteen. And in fact, when I go mm-hmm. to communities, when people want to see abortion outlawed in their city, I, I'm very clear. I say, you know, this is the basis for it. This is why I'm going to churches and talking to pastors. Um, but before I even go into their community, I say, if there's interest, then they need to sign the online petition and or they need to, to collect you know, signatures and show, prove to me that there's interest in their community because mm. I don't feel like I should go into a community unless the people are crying out, wanting it and that there's enough support there to, to see them go before their mm. uh, leadership and call them to that hating evil, loving good and establishing justice within the city gates. Yeah, hundred percent. And and I wanna I wanna dive a little bit deeper into what you just said about kind of the the process of this. So you, you talked about Lubbock, you talked about some of these bigger towns, and and I think uh, a question that's probably sitting on a lot of people's minds is just how does this happen? Like like we've got Roe versus Wade, we've got Doe versus Bolton, and Planned Parenthood versus Casey, and all these kind of cases that the idea of statewide bans or, or allowances or, or federal, like how, how do you help people understand the fact that this isn't just throwing up a, an ordinance that's going to be struck down immediately? Like you said, the, none of them have been struck down. And I'm sure that that is not because Planned Parenthood hasn't noticed. That's not because the forces that be that are working to get abortion into every nook and cranny of our world, it seems like, haven't noticed. And so what has that process been like? Like, how is it 
that these cities can stand firm for, for, I mean, not only do we have a lot of audience from America who may not be familiar with, with the fact that stuff can be done on the municipal level that doesn't have to happen, like you said, through the, the state capital. Um, but for those around the world who are even less familiar with um, how legally speaking this works and how Roe versus Wade doesn't guarantee that every city has to be allowed to perform abortions wherever they want. Um, how does that work for you guys? Well, uh, glad you asked. Uh, so <laughs> I love Schoolhouse Rock, okay? I grew up watching those, those Schoolhouse Rock cartoons and, uh, you know, small, memorable. And, and I remember thinking, okay, so there's three branches of government. There's the legislative branch, there's the judicial branch, and there's the executive branch. Only one branch makes laws, and that's the legislative branch. Now, what a lot of people believe, they're believing the lie. There's a lie in our land that is, uh, they're, they've embraced it and it's affecting how they live. And that lie is that Roe v. Wade is the law of the land. Mm-hmm. Roe v. Wade is not the law of the land. Roe v. Wade is a Supreme Court ruling. And there is no right to abortion in the Constitution. It's just not there. I've read the Constitution many times, and <laughs> every time I, I look, I look for it. I can't. I can't see. It. <laughs> and and so when I go before city councils, and they tell me, Mark, we've taken an oath to uphold, preserve, protect, defend the Constitution of the United States of America. I say, great. I understand that completely, and I'm not asking you to to not do that. If you can find in the Constitution, if you really believe and you can find that right to abortion in the Constitution, then, then you know, that's a different story. But it's not at the Constitution. Nowhere <laughs> in the Constitution is the right to abortion. And so, in fact, it would be preserving and defending the Constitution to, to not let this idea that that is in the Constitution – from affecting our decisions on a city council. And so when Roe v. Wade, when that ruling came down, uh, what some people believe is that, because it happened in Texas, it's a Texas case. When, when that ruling was issued, some people believe that that struck down the, the statutes in Texas, the pre-abortion uh, the pre-Roe v. Wade statutes, but the courts, what does that re- even mean when we say the mm-hmm. law was struck down? Um, <laughs> what kind of power does the Supreme Court have? Uh, does that erase the law? Well, it doesn't erase the law. All that the Supreme Court can do is rule that a law is unconstitutional and therefore unenforceable, and lower mm-hmm. courts abide by that. Uh, they're subject to the rulings of the higher courts. However, it doesn't erase the existing law. And so the pre-Roe statute, the only, that's still on the books here in Texas and Michigan has those as well. And when we look at that, so the law of Texas, the law of Michigan is that abortion is a criminal act unless it's the case of the life of the mother. 
It's what the state statutes say. Now, people have argued, well, that's not enforced right now, so it's as if those never existed. But then if you really push those people and you ask them, well, what would happen if the if Roe v. Wade was overturned, then they say, well, those those pre-Roe statutes would go back into effect. And the, the issue is that, well, those pre-Roe statutes, you can't have it both ways. You can't say it's void as if it never existed mm. and <laughs> they're on the books. Um, uh, if those are on the books, that is the law of your state, whether you like it or not. Uh, that's the law of the state. And so can you be, um, can you honestly say that abortion is a criminal act in Texas? Yes, you can, based on the pre-row statutes. Can you say that abortion is a criminal act in Michigan based on pre-row statutes? Yes, you can. Can you say that Planned Parenthood in Texas and in Michigan are committing uh, a criminal act in violating the pre-row statutes? Yes, you can. Um, now, will, will they be penalized for those, those crimes that they're committing? No, um, not, <laughs> not most likely you know, under the, the current rulings. However, they're still breaking the law, just as I'm breaking the law if I spit on a sidewalk in a city that has an ordinance that says that it is against the law to spit on the sidewalk. It doesn't matter if it's not being enforced, still breaking the law. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. That's helpful. Um, as you're talking, I was also thinking of, about Lubbock, Texas. I mean, you, you brought it up um, as a city with several hundred thousand people. You're used to like the 5,000, 30,000 you said, mm-hmm. but Lubbock, Texas has such an ordinance like this now. And from my understanding of what I've read, Lubbock was the first city that uh, passed such an ordinance that had an active abortion clinic within the city limits. So could you talk a little bit about um, the city's decision, how that came about, perhaps the impact it's had, and, and then a little bit about um, what has Planned Parenthood's response been? What has the abortion supporters' response been in light of this ordinance, which basically means their doors have to shut and they can't sell abortions anymore? Well, you know, going into this, an argument that I used many times before was that when we look at Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey, uh, it's, it's very clear that uh, abortion restrictions can take place uh, as long as it doesn't create an undue burden for the woman seeking the abortion. And so with all the cities up to Lubbock, the argument was that abortion not been taking place within the city limits of these cities. And we wanted to maintain the status quo. We weren't taking away abortion access to outlaw abortion in a city where there's no abortion clinics. What, what are you taking away? You're, people are still going to get an abortion where they've always gone. And, and I still use that argument. Now, Lubbock, I was making that argument. We knew Planned Parenthood was planning on opening up shop and starting the performance of abortions. And my encouragement was I didn't know what would happen completely if Planned Parenthood started doing abortions in in the midst of this whole, <laughs> we're already committed to this public vote. Um, 
because May 1st would roll around and, you know, the people said uh, by uh, the election, and this is, that's the only city so far that has put it to the people for a vote. And it turned out 62%, 38 uh, turned out in our favor. And so abortion (laughs) was uh, outlawed in the city of Lubbock. That ordinance did not go in effect until June 1st. Planned Parenthood filed a lawsuit on uh, March 17th, uh, May 17th. And when they filed that lawsuit May 17th, they, they wanted a, a, an answer before June 1st when the law was set to go into effect. Well, it went before Judge Hendricks in the Lubbock Division, uh, so federal court. And what happened was Judge Hendricks reached out to the Attorney General of Texas, uh, his office, and asked to address the state law issue. And the Attorney General's office said that the Lubbock ordinance was consistent with state law. Um, Talked about Senate Bill 8, which is the Texas heartbeat bill, which has some language in there that actually gives further support for cities doing this. But he said, Even without Senate Bill 8, which goes into effect September 1st, cities can still do this. Uh, Cities can still pass ordinances out long abortion that's consistent with state law. And so what we saw, um, June 1st, Planned Parenthood stopped performing abortions. And uh, by the end of June 1st, the judge dismissed the case, and he said that Planned Parenthood did not have standing for a lawsuit, even when they had an abortion facility. And so uh, <laughs> extremely interesting how this has developed. Uh, Planned Parenthood has not performed any abortions since June 1st in Lubbock, Texas. So for the first time in history, uh, in this this war in America against abortion, uh, we've seen a law go into effect that Planned Parenthood has complied with that totally bans abortion. So that's a pretty big deal. And I think that we're going to continue to see these laws passed throughout America. And wouldn't it be a great thing if if even the courts across the board said, you know what? Let the cities decide. Let the states and the cities decide what they want to do. And and I think if that was the case, then the majority of cities in America, I think the majority of cities in America are pro-life. I think the majority of Americans are pro-life. Uh, I think we hear a lot of chatter from, from different talking heads in the media. And sometimes they're trying to convince us of what we should believe. Uh, they're not really putting the truth out there. Uh, but I think that majority of America's pro-life, I think our, our problem is that we lack courage at times. And if only we would have the courage to stand, then I think we would see abortion end almost overnight here in America. And, and wouldn't that be incredible? And I think that what you're doing with these sanctuary cities is building towards that, right? I mean, going from these, these very small communities getting gradually larger, I'm, I'm sure there were probably a fair ways off before we start seeing the Dallas's and Houston's and San Antonio's of, of Texas um, bringing these ordin- ordinances. But it, it's really good to know that theoretically, if it was put to a vote in one of those places and somehow it did pass, um, 
that it based on on judge Hendricks, i believe he said his name was um ruling that those would stand and so maybe maybe for i don't know cities out there that have shown of a pro-life sentiment before whether it's a st louis missouri or or places like that that have had a strong pro-life sentiment at times in the past um that'd be pretty cool um one question on a slight like on a related note but a slightly different angle i'm curious so these ordinances against abortion are these only surgical abortions? Are these chemical abortions as well? We've had Alison Centifonte on from Live Action and a few others that have spoken with regards to the RU46 abortion pill. And obviously through this whole COVID pandemic thing that, that abortion providers have seen an opportunity to get mail-out abortion pills and whatnot. A- any kind of read on what these ordinances may or may not do with regards to chemical abortions, whether it's receiving them at a pharmacy locally or even a mail-out pill that might be mailed to one of these towns. Do do these ordinances kind of direct on that or is it kind of a a gray area or is it something not dealt with whatsoever in the majority of these places? So all of these cities that have passed these ordinances outlawing abortion, they've outlawed both surgical abortions and medical abortions. And by medical abortions, we're talking about RU486, the abortion pill. Now, there's... As we're going forth, there's always a lot of confusion because uh, people, you know, they know they're against abortion. Uh, they don't know how all this works, of course. And mm-hmm. RU486, um, they get that confused sometimes with the morning after pill, plan B, uh, emergency contraception. And, and so we have to explain to people that um, RU486 is different than plan B and and then we educate them on that. And, and we've even seen success in pharmacists removing plan B from their um, pharmacies uh, just wow. voluntarily. Now, <laughs> we're not going after plan B in these ordinances. We have before, and there are some different ordinances that have addressed that issue. But we are uh, focusing on surgical and medical abortions, which would be taking place at an abortion facility. And in the newer ordinances, what we're even doing is we're making sure that we're treating the abortion pill, RU486, as contraband. And so uh, possessing and distributing that within the city limits is a, uh, you can get fined for that. And so we're doing everything we can to prohibit uh, abortion pill by mail. And so we're looking at everything uh, covering every angle of this, trying to make sure that there's no loopholes, because uh, we don't want abortion in any of our communities. And of course, the battle never ends. There's always <laughs> things out there. We've got to educate culture. And, you know, I was talking to a reporter who, uh, you know, I-, I thought she was actually against me at one time because we were talking <laughs> about plan B and everything. And, and she said that when she was, uh, young, uh, she got into her mom's drawer and she found some candy and she ate all the candy. It wasn't candy. It was her mom's birth control pills. She ate them all. Mm-hmm. And what effect that had on her life? Infertile for life. And mm-hmm. we know what Plan B is, is a heavy dose of birth control. And so, of course, 
my heart is so heavy on that subject because when we talk about those things, miscarriage is a, is a big, and miscarriages are, that's a lot of our friends have had miscarriages. Uh, we live in a culture that has normalized so many things. And I think we need to be open to, to have those hard conversations and really wrestle with uh, these, this, the results of living in a culture that has um, been deeply affected by the, the sexual revolution. Um, it's affected us all, and we need to, to do everything we can to, to try to, to steer our, uh, our families, our churches, our communities uh, in the right direction. Yeah, that's that's tragic about that young that young woman and and um, what you're saying really highlights the importance of changing the culture of, of having conversations with those around us of being open uh, about these issues and being equipped to talk about them well. Uh, I wonder as you um, Mark have have been spearheading this initiative and have going to you're in 34 cities now with with more on the horizon. Um, there are pro-life organizations, there are pro-life groups across this country, some are nationwide, some are local to their own little uh, municipalities and cities. What sort of support have you received from the pro-lifer, pro the pro-life movement and pro-lifers? Um, have they been behind you in this? What sort of response have you received from them? Mostly supportive. I mean, there's always, some <laughs> have been slow to jump on board, which, you know, I'm, I'm glad they're with us now. And, you know, this is something that we should all be for the ending of abortion. Right. And we do need to see the end of abortion in our generation. Uh, <laughs> this is not something we need to drag out forever. Um, we need to see this end now. And so I think if we all did our part, then we would see uh, the end. And I think the end is coming soon. Um, mm-hmm. As I've traveled around, of course, Texas heartbeat bill uh, went into effect, and it's very different. Heartbeat bill uh, has a lot of similarities to the Lubbock ordinance, and so what the the atmosphere in Texas right now, uh, the abortion community, they hate the possibility of what what we experienced in Lubbock with that victory in abortion no abortions taking place since June 1st, they're afraid they're going to see that across the state of Texas, which to me, I, that's a great thing. Mm-hmm. If, if we saw uh, less, uh, less and less and less and less non-existence um, of, of babies being murdered in our state. And as I've traveled, um, I've, I've noticed people don't like me. Some people don't. Uh, in in Manatee County, uh, I was over at the their county administration building, and they were having a, a rally outside. Some of the people from Tampa and, and Sarasota, and this rally, those people. I mean, I I just was standing around. I mean, yeah, I guess they recognized the backwards black cap and black blazer, but they they started telling me to get out of their state and they were <laughs> not really happy with me. And the, there was a camera guy there is getting really close to my, my personal space and extremely interesting, but uh, they told me to leave their state. And uh, 
and and I did leave Florida and fl- uh, fly to Michigan, but that's because I had an appointment up there. And <laughs> I didn't leave because they told me to leave. Yeah. Um, but when I got to Michigan, I ended up hearing the same thing. There was people there saying, leave Michigan. <laughs> and then <laughs> I was in Odessa, Texas yesterday. Um, and there was people over there saying, leave Odessa, <laughs> leave East, uh, leave West Texas, uh, go back to East Texas. And uh, so I think people are realizing that uh, this works. And to quote the CEO of uh, Planned Parenthood in South and Central Florida, uh, she finds this to be terrifying. And she is afraid that what happened in Texas is going to, to go to Florida, which it will. Which it will. And, and that's, I mean, that's certainly the hope. And, and I know that a lot of the work that you're doing where you can go on your website, we'll put the website and we'll talk more about the website um, towards the end of the show um, about potential cities and cities that you're working with. And I'm sure there's a lot more that, that you're working with in very early stages that aren't even listed on the website yet. Um, so as, as an apologetics kind of oriented uh, podcast, Peter, you and I were, were constantly trying to equip listeners with tools that they can have good conversations with friends and family members with. Um, Mark, I'd love to bounce off of you a couple questions that I'm sure that you have heard a ton of times and, and just get your take on how to answer them effectively um, and winsomely in a way that will resonate with the people that you're talking to. I'm, I'm sure these have been screamed at you um, by people who, who find a compelling pro-choice argument to rip their shirts off and all sorts of things. But imagine somebody, just your neighbor, was just asking you, Mark, um, by making abortion illegal here in this town, it's not going to decrease the number of abortions that are happening. The same children are going to be killed. They're just going to go to a different city to get killed. Is there any merit to that? Or can you point towards places like Ireland that show that legislation against abortion through its educational means and through simply putting a hurdle in front of somebody that that will actually save lives? It's not just a matter of we don't want the blood on our hands in our little community. If they go to Houston, if they go to to Dallas, then then so be it. We don't care if babies get killed elsewhere. Uh, We just don't want them getting killed here. Can you speak to this question of whether or not these ordinances actually save lives, I guess? Absolutely. So, I go back to Amos 5.15, hate evil, love good, and establish justice within your city gates, and perhaps the Lord, the God of hosts, be gracious, all the remnant of Joseph. When we're doing what's right, of course, uh, people may go elsewhere for an abortion. But the thing is, we have to do what we can do where we're at, and our responsibility is our city. And I believe wholeheartedly that when we're obedient to the Lord, I don't think when cities address this topic, I don't think it's an accident. I see God's hand all over it. I hear the stories. I hear people saying that they've had an abortion in their past and that it has haunted their life. And they feel led to sign the petition and do everything they can to make sure it never happens in their city. And we, we have those conversations and we talk about um, that this is not an accident, that God has risen them up for a reason and they need to be obedient to the Lord's calling. 
two examples I want to give for that. And this is when this question comes up, this is what I bring it back to. It's a, it's an issue about being obedient to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And this is why this doesn't work. If you just take God out of things, it just, you have to have the Lord. And, and so one example at Joaquin, Texas, there was a council member in Joaquin, Texas that said, look, I'm going to vote for this ordinance, but I want everyone in the room to know that I'm infertile. I can't have a, have a child. Uh, and she said that if anyone in that room or anyone that they knew of found themselves in a spot where they couldn't take care of a child or that they did not want their child, that she would be willing to adopt that child mm. within, I think it was within three days, a knock on her door at 1030 mm. at night, she adopted a child. Wow. And so being obedient to the Lord, we, we never know how God is going to use this. Another example, there's a mayor of city in West Texas, Whiteface, Texas, and Mayor Devers called me up and she said, Mark, I couldn't sleep last night. Uh, God, God was really heavy on my heart. Uh, I believe we have to pass the ordinance. Well, at that time, in, er, in, in late Feb, February of 2020, the ACLU had sued seven cities in East Texas was the first lawsuit that we'd experienced over the sanctuary cities, the unborn initiative and seven cities have been sued. And I said, mayor Devers, do you realize that seven cities were sued by the ACLU? And she said, I realized that, but uh, I'm just afraid of what God would do if we didn't pass this ordinance. Hmm. And I said, mayor Devers, are you saying that you fear God more than the ACLU. And she said, that's exactly what I'm saying. And so Whiteface ended up being the 13th city to outlaw abortion. And uh, I just praise God for Whiteface because they're the only city that actually uh, outlawed abortion during that three month period before the ACLU withdrew the lawsuit. But what's interesting is the city of Keller uh, which is about 50,000 people in the DFW area, they were looking at the ordinance. Well, that when they heard those seven cities in East Texas were sued, they withdrew completely from consider, consider, uh, consideration of the ordinance. But Whiteface, population 499, they just, they went the opposite <laughs> way. And so that, uh, so important. And mm-hmm. at that council meeting in Whiteface, Texas, there was only one person who stood up in opposition among the community members that gave public testimony. And that one person was actually a Mormon lady who wanted to open up a women's clinic in Whiteface, Texas. And interestingly enough, this woman said, I think it would be great to have abortion access in our area. And when I heard that, it sent chills down my spine because what if God kept Mayor Devers up that night because God knew that someone was possibly going to be opening up an abortion facility in the community mm-hmm. And because Mayor Devers listened to the Lord, that was possibly prevented. 
And so I think we should always listen to the Lord uh, and we should be obedient to what he's called us to do, which goes back to Amos 5.15. No matter what city I go to, I always bring up that passage because if people, and with this show as well, that if people walk away with one thing uh, from this, if they just get a hold of Amos 5.15, it can change their city on every single issue. Uh, that we need to make sure that the people that are on our, uh, that's our mayor and our city council or board of commissioners or whatever kind of form of government we're looking at, uh, we need to make sure that our school board members, uh, everyone is on the same page with our beliefs and values. Uh, And if they're not, then we need to make sure that uh, we find someone to run in those places and we get those people in those, those places of, of power uh, to make sure that our beliefs and values are represented, or we need to run ourselves so that we can be a voice of, of righteousness in our communities. Mm-hmm. Having, having politicians of courage and conviction, whether you've got them already or whether you need to step up to the plate, um, is absolutely essential. The, the educational work that Peter, you and I do uh, with our team here dovetails so closely with this political action and the courage that we've seen from, from a handful of politicians already um, needs to be expanded to, to even more politicians. And and just to one other note on this kind of thought as well, Peter, you and I had a, a wonderful conversation with um, a leader in the Irish pro-life movement, episode 30 and 31, um, that audience members that are new to the show can find on our podcast, on our website, talking about um, the, the protection of, of pre-born children, how the role of legislation in that in Ireland as well. Um, as another kind of frequently asked question, again, that I'm sure that you've heard a ton, um, especially from abortion proponents, this idea of making abortion illegal. Um, well, people are just going to have abortions anyways. Maybe they're going to travel or maybe they're going to go to the quote unquote back alleys. If, if we can't have safe legal abortion, then they're just going to perform abortions on themselves. That really doesn't take into account the educational component of these ordinances, the fact that we're making a very clear statement what is your go-to response when people suggest that by banning abortions legally in a, in a city, that it's simply going to result in mothers trying to perform abortions on themselves? Where do you go to for that? Because obviously we don't want illegal abortions either. We, we don't want any abortions, regardless of whether they're legal or illegal. So what is your go-to response when, when you're kind of challenged on that note? Well, we have to, we, we can't remove the reality of, of, the proudity of man uh, from this, that if, if a woman wants to kill her husband, she's going to find a way to kill her husband. If mm-hmm. a woman wants to end the life of her unborn child, she's going to find a way to end the life of her unborn child. But just because a woman wants to kill her husband or a woman wants to kill her unborn child, uh, just because they have that desire, we don't need to go out of our way to accommodate that desire. Uh, we don't need to to, to feed in and help um, aid the, the depravity of man. And it, what we need to do is we need to say, no, uh, you can't murder your husband in this city. You can't murder your unborn child in the city. You can't murder anyone in the city uh, because here in this city, we value human life, whether it's in the womb or out of the womb, whether it's 
your husband or your wife or your child or your neighbor who keeps you up at night from his loud music. Uh, doesn't matter who it is that here in our communities, we don't kill innocent people made in the image of God. Amen. That a great response. Uh, Peter, you and I do the, the exact same thing, trotting out the toddler, trotting out the teenager, whomever it may be asking, okay, well, would we allow people to kill or born children if they were quote unquote going to do it anyways? Thankfully, there's many people um, who don't do it um, through the education component. Unfortunately, there are those, um, I mean, we'll, we'll take what we can get, but there's some that just look at the law as their moral compass and they say, oh, okay, well, I'm not allowed to do this here. Well, I guess it's a bad thing. I shouldn't do it at all. Last question um, on my end, Peter, I, I know that we should probably start wrapping up as fascinating as this conversation has been. The last question on my end, and I, I don't know if this is going to be different city to city, but, but one thing that we've gotten a lot of pushback on, I suppose, and, and maybe not pushback, but just kind of challenges of what does pro-life legislation look like? What does the prosecution of pro-life legislation look like when we ban abortion in a city, when we have this ordinance making it illegal? Does this mean that we're tossing mothers into prison? Does this mean that we're prosecuting the, the people who are performing the abortions? What does that look like for you guys? Obviously, you're in a very different spot um, pro-life progression-wise in America than we are in, in Canada. We are so far tragically away from abortion legislation. I mean, we, we were debating whether or not it's okay to kill baby girls simply because they're baby girls, and it couldn't even get traction in, in Canadian Parliament. Um, and so this isn't to say that this may be reflected exactly around the world, but I'm curious, what does the prosecution look like for maybe the majority of cities if it's not all the same? Or, or what does it look like for somebody if they were to either perform an abortion in one of these cities or um, to receive an abortion, I suppose, in one of these cities? What does that look like? Well, uh, with cities, uh, what we have to work within, we have to work within the framework that we have. Mm -hmm. uh, just like we have to work within the framework, like when we go out to the abortion facilities and we stand on the sidewalk and we proclaim life to, to the mothers going in, uh, we are working in the framework of our society. Um, and so the laws that are on our books in Texas, uh, the pre-row statutes, which criminalize abortion unless it's a life of the mother, they don't penalize the the mother uh, who, who is involved in ending the life of her child. And so these ordinances do not give any kind of penalty mm -hmm. to the mother uh, who's involved in that process. And to be honest, she is involved in that process, but cities cannot pass any laws that's out of step with their state laws. Um, so some people have suggested, well, it's better to do nothing. If you can't penalize the mother, then don't do anything. Mm -hmm. And I just don't buy that. Uh, I believe that now I'll acknowledge that there is this, we can't pretend that the mother of the unborn child um, is just doesn't understand what's going on. Uh, mm -hmm. I've talked to many women who are there to get an abortion and they know, uh, I, I tell them, I was like, you can be a great mother to that child, that God has chosen you to be a great mother to that child. And whether you, uh, whatever decision you make today, you're going to be a, you're, you're the mother of that child. You're either the mother of a child that uh, you're going to be raising 
or you're mother of a child that has passed away. And in one day, if you repent and trust in the Lord, you'll be reconnected with that child. Mm-hmm. We, we can't ignore these things. However, we have to work within the framework that we have. Um, someone told me yesterday that they didn't like uh, this ordinance being called an ordinance. They're like, I don't like the word ordinance. I was like, well, the state of Michigan says that cities have the ability to pass ordinances and resolutions. Uh, It doesn't say that the city has the ability to pass uh, oranges or whatchamacallits. You can't just create your own word. You have to work within the rules um, that's provided. Uh, And unfortunately, sometimes we live in a world where um, you ever try to play Monopoly with like a two or three year old and they just want to make up their own rules? We, we can't do that. Uh, we have to abide by the rules of the state. Now, what the penalties look like, we're going after the, uh, the anyone who has uh, performed the abortion or aided and abetted the abortion. And so we are very detailed that we're not just talking about the abortionist himself. We're not just talking about the nurses, but we're talking about anyone who paid for the abortion. We're talking about anyone who drove someone to the abortion. Now, this is knowingly. We're not saying that if you're an Uber driver and you drop someone off at the abortion clinic that uh, you could be you know, held liable. If you knew they were getting an abortion, then that's one thing. And the, the example to that would be if a friend of mine said, hey, can you give me a ride to the bank? Sure, I would love to give you a ride to the bank. He comes out with um, with some money bags with police uh, chasing him. Um, I have the, you know, I have a choice to make. Am I going to say, wait a second, no, <laughs> I'm not going to be involved in in an armed robbery. I had I didn't sign up for this. Um, so of course, we, you know, all these things, the penalties at it's the most that the city is able to do under mm. the laws of the state. Yep. Sometimes uh, for the state of Texas, the violation of a ordinance is $2,000. Um, okay. You know, for an ordinance that's in violation of uh, health, health and safety, uh, general wel- welfare, um, for some states, it's $500. Um, it just depends. Uh, some mm. states, um, like Michigan, uh, there's some time in jail that people can, can uh, receive for, for violating these ordinances. Uh, but we go as, as much as we possibly can go within the laws of the state. Now, of course, some people say, well, you should do the death penalty. Cities don't have that ability. Okay. Uh, that's a state issue. And if they want to, uh, and the state does need to address issues. Uh, I think, the killing of an unborn child is, is no different than the killing of uh, someone our age or someone who is towards the, uh, the latter years in their life, uh, that all of us, uh, regardless of age, regardless of location, uh, were made in the image of God. And um, the ending of any of our lives should be dealt with um, equally. Yeah, that's that's one of the things I love about the sanctuary cities for the unborn, Mark, and that is that you're using creative means and sort of 
um, working within the framework that's already there. You're not trying to, you know, create a new city council or, or create new legislation that's in contrast and in opposition with the state legislation and, and other things like that. You're working within the framework that you already have as lay people uh, and working that way successfully to um, make abortion free cities uh, across Texas and across the states. Now, I wonder for those, as we start to wrap this up, Mark, I wonder for those who are thinking, this is something I'd like to, to start in my city. This is something that I would really like to see happen in my own hometown. Where can they get started? Uh, you mentioned petitions a little bit earlier, earlier on. Perhaps walk us through some of the recommendations you have for uh, someone like, like the three of us, perhaps. We're not politicians. Um, you know, We're not in the state capitol and we're not in our city council on a daily basis. But um, what can we do? What are some recommendations that you have for us uh, who wants to, to start this process in our city to see if we can get something like this uh, in the place that we live? So my encouragement to everyone is to uh, go onto the website and sign the online petition at sanctuarycitiesfortheunborn.com. The actual petition link is sanctuarycitiesfortheunborn.com slash online dash petition. And what we do on our end is we... Uh, we get these petitions and we, we just let them build up. And sometimes I get a call or email and someone's like, why aren't you coming here yet? And I'll be like, well, mm -hmm. only five people have signed the petition and there's over a hundred people, a hundred thousand people in your city. And so we're not going to go to a city when only five people have signed the petition. Now, <laughs> if it, if all those five people were city council members and there was you know, maybe that'd be a different story. Uh, but, you know, we, we want to see um, just a, a, a groundswell in these communities of people that are ready to do it so that uh, when we draft a, an ordinance specifically for that city and we, we provide the letter to the city with that ordinance that says that if that city is sued, then there's... Um, an attorney that's willing to represent that city at no cost to city and taxpayers. Uh, we're doing things the right way. We're making sure that the, the city government has the right documents so that they're not hearing some kind of wacky idea. We're not trying to overthrow governments. We're not trying <laughs> to uh, violate any of the laws that are on the books here in these states. All this is working within all state laws, all federal laws, and it's even working within Supreme Court rulings. Uh, now, people will say, well, it says here that you disagree with Roe v. Wade. Yeah, it does, because Roe v. Wade is an illegitimate court ruling, and it is inconsistent with the Constitution, which we all uh, embrace. And, and so, but Justice Clarence Thomas has said uh, that there's not a shred of evidence in the Constitution for the right to abortion. We believe that. And so we push back, but all this works within uh, everything that we have. And so uh, that's my encouragement. I think when people go before city councils without the right documents, it does not usually end well. And so we, we like to do our homework. We like to see um, who the city attorney is. Is the city attorney in bed with Planned Parenthood? We've had that before. We had a city attorney in Centerville, Texas. He's married to the, the former board chair of Planned Parenthood. 
<laughs> so he, he really is in bed with Planned Parenthood, <laughs> literally. Um, do you think he's going to be for or against the ordinance that outlaws abortion in the city? Probably against. When the city of Lubbock reached out to a law firm in the Houston area that had family ties to Planned Parenthood, hmm, I wonder where they're going to fall on this issue. What? They have also, they're really good friends with the Rappaports and the Clintons and Pelosi's and Schumer's, and <laughs> they have all these pictures together. Hmm, I wonder what side they're going to be on. I wonder if they're going to be really supportive of this idea of outlawing abortion. Probably not, right? Uh, and they were. And so I don't like these games that, you know, <laughs> if the attorney is a diehard liberal, then I don't think city council members uh, should be allowed to hide behind that um, and, and get away with it. I, I think we have to call them out. We have to say, hey, look, you know, there are other attorneys out there that have a different view of this and they need to hear both sides. Uh, they need to hear both sides. At the end of the day, they need to do what's right, uh, not just in the eyes of, of their community, but, but also in the eyes of the Lord. And, and that's what this boils back down to is that Amos 515, that all of us, whether we're in an elected position or not, need to hate evil, love good, and establish justice with our city gates. Amen. Yeah, I, I have one more question for you, Mark, and that's um, kind of along the same lines. But what if uh, I'm in a city where it's very unlikely that something like this is going to pass? Um, and so I want to get involved. I want to do something. I want to change the culture and get the signatures uh, and, and all of this. But I don't have the support of the people. I don't have the support of the city council. Um, I don't have the support of the, the, the state uh, or the city lawyer, perhaps, or whoever it might be. Is there still something I can do? I assume you're not going to say, you know, just peace out from the, the decision. I assume you're not going to say move to Lubbock or something like that. Um, but where can we go um, and it, are, are there steps we can take, um, you know, even in a situation like this? Well, I think if the Lord has called you to uh, to something, you got to obey no matter what it looks like for you. Um, I've had some some very scary times. I've, I've had times where, you know, I'm like, but I knew that the Lord had called me to it and I had to to move forward. And and so if the Lord is laying this on your heart to see it happen in your city. Um, even if you're in an Austin, Texas, or uh, a New York, New York, uh, it doesn't matter where you're at. I've been surprised at some of the, we've had a lot of signatures from San Antonio. We've had a lot of signatures from Buffalo, New York. We've had a lot of signatures from uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, um, Shreveport, Louisiana. And some of those places, I mean, they're not the most conservative spots. And, you know, I, I think it's going to take people seeing that, believing that change can happen in their communities. And we don't know um, how God is going to work and things. Uh, obviously, seeing abortion outlawed in a city like Houston, Texas, or Austin, Texas, is going to be an uphill battle. But if the Lord is on your side, and who knows what we'll see. Um, you know, there was in Austin, Texas, is a great example. There was a council member in Austin, Texas, who recommended to, in honor of, uh, to pay tribute to Black Lives Matter, uh, 
what that council member wanted to do was to blow up the police department. I thought that was a horrible idea. Mm -hmm. And apparently a lot of the citizens of Austin thought it was a horrible idea too, because uh, that council member wasn't reelected and a conservative uh, got put in there in on Austin city council. And so uh, this is something that when we, we push back when we need to see the right people in office and uh, who knows, maybe, you know, if you go in your community and say, Hey, I would like to see abortion outlawed in the city. Who knows? Maybe you meet some friends that way. Maybe <laughs> those friends, uh, maybe one of those friends is, is someone who's going to be uh, running for office one day. Uh, but we've got to, we, I think too many of us are giving up on our cities because we're letting the narrative put forth by our cities uh, and by the, by the media um, run, run everything in our minds. And we've got to, to have that vision that God can do uh, incredible things. And if we just, just be obedient to what God wants us to do, Amos 5.15 is not just for the <laughs> super conservative cities. Uh, it's for Sodom and Gomorrah as well. And we've got to, to just go back to Amos 5.15. Apply Amos 5.15 and let God have his way with your city. Yeah, I think that's a great place to end, Mark. We, we, we know that uh, at the end of the day, it's up to God's will um, and God's going to do what God's going to do. But, at the, you know, we, we don't know what that's going to be. What he's called us to do is to be faithful, right? And uh, he's called us to, to go out there to be a defense for the defenseless, a voice for those who have none. Uh, there's a significant like a, a lot of focus in scripture on the fatherless, the widow and the sojourner and the fatherless. I mean, we've talked about this in the program before we can think of no one who can be accounted as fatherless more than those children whose fathers are driving their mothers to abortion clinics to have them killed. And so I think that's a great, great place to end. I want to end as well with, with one quote by a friend of ours, John Barrows, uh, who ministers outside of the Orlando Women's Center in Orlando, Florida. One of the things he said to me several times now is this, it's amazing what God will do if you simply show up. It's amazing what God will do if you simply show up. And that's our encouragement for everyone listening to this program. Now, you might be in the United States. You might be in a conservative city, a liberal city. You could be in Canada. You could be in other parts of this of the world. But one thing we hope that is highlighted here is that you can use creative means. You can go out there, look at the, 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 the formulation of your city council and of your city government, uh, and you can be a force for change in the city, in the school, um, you know, education department, and, and throughout your city. You can be a force for good, a force for change, uh, and, and a force that stands against the evil of the day and defends the most weak and vulnerable among us, who are the preborn children. And so, Mark, thank you so much for your faithful witness. Thank you for, um, I mean, taking that first step in your own city, um, you know, going after uh, uh, the cities in your state, making these sanctuary cities for the unborn and now branching out throughout the United States. And uh, so thank you so much for that. And, and thank you for taking the time and joining us to share all about this initiative on our podcast. Thank you. 
All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to that conversation with Pastor Mark Lee Dixon. As we mentioned in the episode, the links will be in the description to learn more about the Sanctuary Cities for the Unborn, to sign some petitions, whatever it might be. Uh, do check out the show notes of this episode, whether you're on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or wherever it might be. Click that link, learn a little bit more about the Sanctuary Cities for the Unborn, support them, and do consider doing this in your community. Cam, do you have any final closing thoughts as we wrap up this episode? Just the value of creativity, right? Creativity in um, the line of urgency. I, I have profound amount of respect for, for Mark and others who have looked at a very dire situation in their country, in their region, in their city, and thought creatively on how they're going to protect preborn children. The sanctuary city idea may not work the same way in Canada or whatever country you're coming from. Might not work for your city, might not work for your region, whatever it may be. But just the value of the creativity of how do we solve this problem on multiple levels. The educational component, Peter, that you and I are always hammering, um, changing minds, saving lives, person by person, doorstep by doorstep, street corner by street corner is absolutely essential, but that does not mean that it's the only way of transforming our culture. It needs to be part of a greater plan as well. That's going to involve politics. It's going to involve other components of society. And so think creatively about how you're going to engage um, your, your community, what it may be, and work backwards. We had Blaze Elaine come on. Peter, I don't know if you can pull up the, the episode that we had Blaze Elaine on talking about his theory of change versus a theory of action. We have had a whole lot of theory of action within the pro-life movement. And in many ways, it's done a lot of really good work. But I think that we need to focus on this theory of change. How do we work backwards from the goal? of stopping abortions from happening um, through educational, political, and pastoral means to make sure that what we're doing is actually achieving that end, right? Having a billboard can be a very, very useful element of a theory of change, or it can be a very, unfortunately, distracting component of a theory of action. It can be a matter of, well, we've got two grand burning a hole in our pockets. What do we do with it? Why not set up a billboard? Um, no, that's probably not the best reason to set up a billboard. You could set up a billboard with really good reasons. I'm not um, hating on billboards per se. I'm just saying that we as a pro-life movement need to have this theory of change. And so in your creative um, exploration of how you save babies in your home area, have that theory of change in mind. Peter, I don't know if you're able to dig up what episode number that was, but but it's a real good one. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that's episode number 15. And, and I just want to say, like, if you're interested in the pro-life movement, if you're interested in the most effective strategy that we can utilize in our fight against abortion, this is an episode for you. Uh, because one of the things that Blaze talks about is, is just by doing something doesn't mean you're doing something good. Um, and, and you might be doing something good in the sense that you're pro-life, you're fighting abortion in, in a very, very small way. But it doesn't mean that any effect is going to happen. It doesn't mean it's effective. It doesn't mean people are going to change their mind. The intention might be good, but the effect that it has, um, I mean, there, may, there might not be any results. And so Blaze just talks about how we can think through some of the strategies that we use and how as organizations, as individuals, we can fight against abortion. We can have this view of this is the goal and these are the proactive steps that I can take to reach that goal. Uh, so go check it out, episode 15, wherever you listen to your content. We weren't videoing it yet, so it's not on YouTube, I don't believe, unless just the audio is on YouTube. But any of your podcast catchers, and while you're at it, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Um, Cam, any final things, uh, or would you like me to wrap this up here? No, wrap her up, my friend. 
<laughs> Beauty. Well, once again, folks, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Thank you for constantly reaching out to us with some of your questions um, and, and just comments about the show. I had some really good feedback from, from a listener this morning, so I want to thank you so much uh, for that. Some, some excellent feedback on some of the great things that um, we've been doing and how we've grown as a podcast as well. So thank you for that. We love hearing from you, and, and we hope you love hearing from us as well as we come to you twice every single week. We want to encourage you again, get active, be creative, be involved in the pro-life movement and changing people's minds on abortion and doing what you can to save little boys and little girls from death. Thank you for your involvement in the fight. Thank you for your passion. Thank you for sharing this episode and this podcast with your friends, your families, your neighbors, your barber, your employer, your employees, your colleagues, your fellow students, and whoever else is in your life, your, your Uber driver and your pizza delivery man. Thank you for sharing it with everyone in your social circles uh, and in your sphere of influence. God bless you all, and we hope you tune in again next time.